0: The book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. And I don't know how much I'm going to read of this uh, specific uh, set of scriptures. We won't get past chapter number 1 today. I don't want you to stand for the reading of the word because I I may be expounding as we go this morning. But the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 1, I'm actually going to skip over the first verse because there's a lot of names I don't want to have to pronounce in there this morning. And and so we're talking uh, in in the first verse that um, there's a man named Elkanah, Elkanah, however you want to say it, okay? And all of his, I'm, I'm not interested this morning at least in in his dad or his dad's dad or any of the, the tribe in which they came from, and so we're going to skip that. But it says, and he had, in verse number two, and he had two wives, the name of one was Hannah, Thank God for a name that we can recognize this morning Hannah And the name of the other was Peninnah And, and I'm correct in saying Peninnah Because I did look that one up And I, a lot of people pronounce it Panina, But that little mark over the eye Would indicate that it's a, it's a short vowel And so her name was Peninnah Look at your neighbor and say Peninnah And it says And Peninnah had children But Hannah had no children Amen and this man went up out of, um, out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of Host in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But to Hannah... He gave a worthy portion. Everybody say, worthy portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did, so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept. And did not eat. Bible says in verse number eight Then said Elkanah to her, uh, Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitter of soul and, and I'm sorry, in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and she wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, <clears throat> if thou wilt, indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid. But will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. And now Hannah, she spake with her heart, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered him and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. And count not thine handmaid for the daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thee ask of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And then in verse number 19, it says, And they rose up in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew hannah his wife and the lord remembered her there wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name samuel saying because i have asked him of the lord let's pray over the word this morning father we thank you for your word it's forever settled Nothing can change. Nothing can be altered. Nothing can be changed. We believe this morning in the verbal inspiration of the word God. We could literally take a couple words out of these scriptures and preach on them this morning and there would be no error in them. God, we thank you this morning for the consistency and the integrity of your word. God, I pray right now for an anointing to come into this room, God, that would break every single yoke. God, the anointing that would, that would be upon my life to preach your gospel. Lord, that the hearer would hear the word, but not just hear, they would become doers, God. Lord, I pray right now that you would bring increase to what I'm about to speak, God. We give you honor and glory in Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. And amen. I know I read a lot right there, but we needed to see, I think, the entirety of the narrative this morning. That there was a man named Elkanah, and he had two wives, Peninnah and Hannah. And that the, 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 there was a situation, a dilemma. How many of y'all know if there's a man with two wives, there's going to be a dilemma? Amen. And I'm not going to preach about that this morning. Uh, but, but Peninnah and Hannah... Wound up having a problem, amen. They, there was a situation that was uh, that arose between these two, and the situation was that the Bible says that Hannah's womb had been closed up. As a matter of fact, it goes a little bit farther, and it says the Lord had closed her womb. Up and I, I thought that interesting this morning when I when I began to read that that the Lord had closed her womb up. This was not just by happenstance that she wasn't able to conceive, that she wasn't able to bear a child. And I need somebody to understand this morning in this house that sometimes the Lord will close things up that seem like they would be otherwise great for you to be doing. Sometimes that ministry that you think you ought to be doing that seems like it's just natural. I know I have the gift to be able to play the, the guitar. And so it just makes sense for me to be behind the guitar. But sometimes God will close up that area. It will stop you from being able to produce life in that area just because he's trying to bring something about in your life. I've already veered away from my notes this morning, but I'm telling you that God will sometimes stop up what you think is natural and what you seem to, you know, how many of us ever think we've got God figured out and we know what he wants us to do in our lives. And we think we've got a picture of where he wants us to go. And then all of a sudden he comes in and he stops up. It's not always the devil. I think we give him too much credit. It's not always the devil that's stopping up things in our life. It's not the devil that causes sometimes what seems to be bad things to happen in our lives. I'm not saying that God is causing bad things in your life. I'm telling you, he's working all things together for your good. And it may not look good right now, but it's for your good. So I'm so glad I serve a God who doesn't think we with my mind, but His ways are higher than my ways, and His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so He knows what I have need of. The Word says he, the Spirit knows what we have need of before we ever even ask it. And so I'm so thankful that I have a God who knows what I need more than he, than I know what I want, more than I know what I need. And sometimes He will stop up what I think needs to be flowing just so He can bring something about in my life. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a God like that this morning? And Penina, you see, she had several sons. So here we have the dilemma. We have two wives, which is the first problem. You know, in this narrative, we see two wives, which is a major problem. We see two priests, which is a major problem. Okay? And during the days of Jesus, there were two high priests. And that was a major problem. That went against the Hebrew law. For them to have that. And so we see a major problem with these two sons of Eli as well, but any time that you have two heads, any time that you have two leaders, there's a problem. Again, I'm way off my notes this morning, but I heard a long time ago that anything that had more than one head was a monster, and you need to stay away from it. Amen? And so what I'm telling you is if there's two uh, people in a role of leadership and you can't figure out where the head is, then there's a problem and you need to get out of that situation immediately. So we've got Hannah and Peninnah in this place and Peninnah had several sons and several daughters, but Hannah was barren because the Lord had shut up her womb. And let let me tell you something, out of that closing up her womb, Hannah got to this place where she desired something more than she could even handle. She desired to have a child. She desired to have a baby. I don't know if there's anyone in the room today, uh, any of you women in the room today that can say that, that have been in this place where for whatever reason, your womb was barren and, and you don't understand why, but you've desired to have a child. I, I I know Deidre and I, we made a decision a long time ago and I'm transparent anyway, so I'll tell off on myself, but we made a long, a decision a long time ago that the... Uh, in that decision, Deidre couldn't have any more children, and in a couple years after we made that decision, then all of a sudden we wanted children again. We didn't realize that we made a hasty decision, but but I'm thankful that we've been able to bring other people into our home, and we've been able to to father and mother on other children. And God keeps opening those doors. But I wonder if there's anybody in the house today who could understand what it would be like to be Hannah and know that there that you can't conceive a child and the one thing that you want to do in your life is conceive and give birth to a child. All you want, all she wanted to be was a mama. All she wanted to do was have a child and nurture that child and bring up a child in the ways of the Lord. But God had shut up her womb. And what makes matters even worse is she had an adversary. How many of y'all know that if you have an adversary things get made a lot worse? Amen. And the Bible says that that she wanted a child, and, and she wanted a child so badly that she, what she wanted, and I need you to understand this this morning. Sometimes, if you want something so badly, it will take precedence over anything else. Everything else. You see, Hannah wanted a child so badly that she let it take precedence over everything else. In her life, and I need to stop right here and say I don't believe this to be true about Hannah, but it bears saying this morning that if you ever find yourself in a place where you begin to desire something more uh, more aggressively than anything, and everything else gets put on hold because you desire it, you better check yourself and make sure it's not because you got an adversary or somebody out there that is that has what you want. What am I saying? Don't you, don't go putting yourself everything on hold and desiring something if you're being covetous of what your neighbor has. You see, she had an adversary that had many children. The what and, and what I what I notice about uh, about Hannah and about the the concept of giving birth. Do you understand that giving birth to a child is the only thing that human beings can do that's eternal? Have you ever thought about it? The only thing that we can do and bring into this life, the only creative power we have in this life. That, that, that will create something that's eternal is birthing. It's through the power of God and the plan of God to have children. Why do you think that there's such an agenda out there in America and throughout the world today to push homosexuality so greatly? I'm not beating up on anybody this morning. I'm not beating up on any specific type of person. I'm talking about the movement of homosexuality in America today. It's rampant because the devil wants nothing more. Do you know that two men cannot create a baby? Two women cannot create a baby. I'm not trying to be too graphic in the house this morning, but the devil wants to stop lineages from happening. I'm telling you, he hates the, ch- the children of God and he hates the human race more than anything in all of the world. And he wants nothing more to shut it up. That's why there's such an attack and such a such a push to move uh, the homosexual agenda and abortion, the way that it's being pushed all over the world today. And the reason is because the enemy wants nothing more than to stop this birthing, than to stop the one thing that we can create that is eternal. We've got to push back this morning. You see, a child is eternal, and you have a part in creating it. But I wonder, has anybody ever desired to give birth to something? Maybe not a child, but desired to to have something, to own something, to give birth to something, maybe a ministry or maybe a company or a business. You're an entrepreneur and 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 you, you just desire to start something and have ownership in something. By lifting of hands this morning, can anybody say there, that, that I've got a desire to, to do something that is something that I've birthed, something that I've planned, something that I've started? Anybody in the house that would say that's me? I, I need to know if I'm talking to the right people this morning. All right, I, I am talking. At least the right eight or nine people in this place this morning. I, I don't know, but I, there's been times when I felt God was trying to birth something out of me. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of a dream that Deidre had before we we had this revival that lasted ten weeks long, and then just before that, and Brother Dave, I believe it was a prophetic vision even of this church that we are standing in today. But she had a she had a dream one night, and she said out of she supernaturally gave birth to a baby out of her belly she was she was like 6 months pregnant or something like that not not quite full term and and all of a sudden she said just supernaturally this baby came out of her belly it was kind of that's kind of the weird part of the dream but but the baby came out and and she was holding the baby and the next thing you know she was kind of showing the baby off and she was holding the baby and the baby was able to hold its own head up so she gave birth to a toddler at 6 months just supernaturally so there's some crazy stuff about this dream but, but she's holding the baby up and it has two teeth already and, and it's able to hold itself up and then all of a sudden she began to panic in her dream and she said I've I, I got to get to the doctor because I just had this baby and there's, we didn't cut the umbilical cord and there's, there's no mess around here for me to clean up and I know that you know not to get too graphic but you know it's messy to have childbirth and, and so there was no mess clean up and she said in her panic and in her anxiety in the dream she woke up and she, she began to recognize like wow I just had a dream about a baby and if you know my wife she loves babies so she thought, well, this is cool. I got, I got to have a dream about a baby. And it was like instantaneously God spoke to her and he said, no, you gave birth to something in the night. He said, you gave birth to something. He said, what I'm about to birth in you is a ministry that's able to hold its own head up that may be in an infant stage but it's got two teeth and it can feed, It can eat on some solid food. It doesn't need to be milked. It doesn't need to be nursed. And he said, where you're going, there's not going to be a mess to clean up and there's not going to be any cords that need to be cut. So don't worry about what, what's not. He said, it may look like it needs to have cords cut. It may look like it has messes that need to be cleaned up, but where I'm taking you, you don't have to clean up any messes. And he said, you're going to, I birthed the ministry inside of you that will hold itself up and I believed with my heart of hearts today that is why God sent us into this place was that he had a ministry for us that was maybe in an infant state but it already had teeth that it could survive on its own that it could chew solid food and it had a neck that was strong enough to be able to hold itself up and there weren't any messes and there weren't any cords to cut and so I'm thankful for the prophetic vision but I'm thankful that God put it in her heart to conceive again and begin to bear out a child in her, this child of ministry. So again, I asked this morning, has anybody ever felt like God was trying to to, to birth something inside of you? Because if so, this message is for you this morning. I want to point out something this morning in the house that, that, that her husband said to her in verse number eight, he said, and then Elkanah, her husband said to her hannah why weepest thou why eatest thou not and why is thy heart grieved am i not or am not i better to thee than ten sons Am not I better to thee than ten sons? What a powerful verse. I think we skip over this so much, Brother Dave. I think we skip over this verse so much. And this is probably the most powerful verse in all of this narrative. Because Elkanah right now is a picture and a depiction of our Heavenly Father that is saying to you, I need need you to understand that you can give birth to a ministry. You can give birth to a child. You can give birth to a company. You can give birth to what I'm planning in your life. But I'm telling you, he's saying, am I not more, more better to you than ten sons? Am I not better to you than ten blessings? Am I not better to you? I wish somebody would get a hold of it in the house this morning. God is saying there's a love that he has for us as Elkanah had for his wife. And he understood." He said, am I not better? And I, how many of y'all know that the Bible says when a man marries his wife, that they leave their father and their mother and they cleave to one another. And all of a sudden, what used to be a important. It's not important anymore. And the two flesh become one. I'm going somewhere with this this morning. And now your children that you have, they are important in your life, but nothing is more important than the relationship between the husband and the wife. If the kids get out of line and they try to make you choose a side, you don't get to choose a side because you married together. And now the two flesh are one. And that's a clear picture of our heavenly father to his church today. He said, I would that they would be one as we are one. That's what Jesus said because he was saying, I need the bride to be ready for the bridegroom and that they would be together as one. And listen, blessings may come your way, but blessings are not as important as the love of God in your life. Elkanah was saying, listen, you may not have everything you want. You may not even have everything you think you need, but you've got my love and is my love not enough? And I hear the voice of the Lord saying it in the house this morning. The church is full of One. The church is full of things they think they need, but I hear him saying this morning, is my love not enough? Is my love not enough? Am I not enough? Am I not better than ten sons? You see, Elkanah, he knew that she was being provoked. He knew he wasn't blind to it. Brother Dave, this husband of two wives was not blind to the rivalry that was happening between the two folks. He wasn't blind to it. He understood. And I, I think something else is interesting right here. It says that in verse number five, that, or in verse number 4, it says that he gave to Peninnah. He gave her a, a portion to her and her sons and her daughters and everything. But then it goes in verse 5 and it says to Hannah, he gave a worthy portion. That worthy right there in other translations and literally translated, it equals double portion. And so he took what he gave to Peninnah and all her sons and all her daughters and he gave a, that some of everything, he doubled it and gave it to Hannah alone. And he was saying, Listen, I love you with an undying, unfailing love. I'm going to pour out on you a double portion blessing. And, and listen, she, he was saying, Is that not enough? I'm telling you, Is that not enough? We get our eyes upon the things that we want or desire, and we fail to recognize that God is saying, I'm more than enough for you right now. Am I not better than that? I'm giving you double portion blessings. And I, you know, I noticed something else as I begin to read this. In verse number 7, you got to read the Bible chronologically. Verse number 7, it goes on to say that as he did so each year, year by year, they went up to the house of the Lord and so she provoked her. What's that tell me? It tells me that every time they went to the house of the Lord, that Elkanah would give Peninnah a portion and then he would give Hannah a double portion. Every year, year after year, they would go and Hannah had no baby. She didn't have the baby, but she had the double portion blessing every single year she had the double portion blessing what is that telling me in the house this morning every year they would go and Peninnah would begin to provoke on Hannah she would begin to mock her and she would come against her what is that telling you this morning it's telling you that God this morning is wanting to give you double portion blessing and many of you listen many of you may have double portion blessing in your life but the enemy will not let you get your double portion and leave you alone the enemy, Penina is not going to let you alone when she keeps seeing that the Father keeps blessing you with a double portion. Week after week, folks come into the church, and then you've got folks that sit over here, and they I don't know why she got that blessing. Uh, doesn't God know how she is outside of church? Doesn't God know that her life doesn't line up with His Word? I don't know why God gave her that blessing today uh, when He should have gave it to me. Listen, that's that old uh, Penina spirit sitting over there in the back telling you, I'm jealous of that ministry and I'm jealous of that anointing and I'm jealous of that double portion blessing but if there's anybody in the house today that says I'm glad that God will pour out a double portion on me and I'm not worried about the naysayers coming against what God gives me then I wish you'd lift your hands and say I receive my double portion and let the naysayers come every year year after year he would go give her a double portion and Peninnah would get jealous And she began to provoke. Listen, the only reason that the devil is trying to provoke you, the only reason that the accuser of the brethren is accusing you is because he's jealous of what God has given you. He's jealous that you're a worshiper. He's jealous that when you worship, you worship God. He got jealous. He was the anointed cherub that covereth. He was the he was the archangel in charge of worship in heaven. And his job got taken away. And all of a sudden, God said, listen, I don't need you to lead worship. I got people that are joined together on a Sunday morning in Awakening Church of God and begin to lift up my name. Satan, I don't need you to cover my glory anymore. I've got people that are willingly doing it. And listen, the devil hates you for it. And God said, don't worry about it. Let the devil go on and hate. I'm going to pour out a double portion blessing anyway, all over you every week, every week you come in every year you come in. Every time you go to the altar, I'm going to give you a double portion blessing. You just let the haters go on and hate. He says, am I not better? You know, in ver- in verse number eight there, when he says, am I not better? If you, if you read in, in my, my Bible says it like this, the word Am and the word I is actually italicized right there, Brother Dave. I said this is a clear depiction of God. And how many all know God said, I am that. I am amen. And so what is the, this is another picture of God saying I am. I am. He did he was asking a question saying am I not better than 10? What he was trying to say is I am better than 10 sons. I am better. It's not a question. It's rhetorical. How many of y'all know God will ask you a question sometimes. He don't need you to answer. He you already he already knows the answer. And I'm telling you the answer is always yes and amen. And he's saying, I am better than ten sons. I am better than ten sons. And he is better than ten sons. But I'm telling you, sometimes we get more focused on what we lack than what we have thankfully he said it like this in his word that I delight myself in him and if I if I will delight myself in him then he will give me the desires of my heart amen and I'm thankful that he says that if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness then all these things will be added unto me I'm so thankful that, that he's a God that wants to give good gifts to his children he doesn't want to give you a stone when you ask for bread he wants to give you great and great gifts I'm telling you he wants to give you good things in the house of God this morning but you know something that Hannah had to do is she had to count the cost you've heard me preach about this counting the cost counting I believe we as a people we refuse to count the cost if there was ever a day when Jesus when Jesus was talking about the parable he said listen which one of you be getting ready to build a mansion would not first count the cost Lest when you laid the foundation you didn't have enough money to finish and people would look at you and say what a fool that you were we refuse in this day and this hour to count the cost and i'm telling you this morning if you're going to give birth to anything if you're going to have and now listen you can have a double portion blessing all you want but if there's something that you desire from god and you got to give birth to it i don't know who i'm talking to maybe i'm only talking to one or two people in the house this morning but if you get to the point where you say god i'm so desperate i've got to have a, i've got to have this i've got to give birth god i know you've put it in my heart to want this thing i don't want it out of covetousness i don't want it out of desire because somebody else has it, but God, I desire in my heart to have something so badly that I put I'm going to count the cost and whatever the cost is, I'll pay it. Whatever it is. Listen, I need you to understand something before you ever decide to count the cost. Jesus counted the cost even before the foundations of the world. He said, I will die for them. They they ain't even created yet but I'm already counting the cost. The word says that he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world and when he was on the cross And he said it is finished He said it's paid in full He counted the cost for us So we need to count the cost for him this morning And so it leads me to my original question And the title of the sermon this week What is it worth? You see what is it worth for her to decide What is it worth for her to have a son? She decided what it was worth And then what did she do? And the Bible says in verse number 11 She made a vow She said, what you give to me, I will give back to you. My God, I could stop and preach there for 30 minutes. I'm not going to. Praise the name of the Lord. I wish somebody would say amen for something. She said, said, whatever you give me, God, if you'll give me this thing, I'll give it right back to you. I'll give it all back to you. Listen, it's so. how many times has God heard that empty promise from us? We were talking about it on, on Thursday night class. The, the foxhole prayer is what Brother Dave called it. The foxhole. When you're down in the foxhole and your life's about to end and everything's about to go, go haywire and you know the only thing you can turn to is God, then you make a decision and you say, God, if you'll just get me out of this, if you'll just help me through this, if you'll just heal my body, if you'll just do this, if you'll just do that, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. How many of y'all have ever seen or heard of somebody praying that prayer? And then, you know, it may work for a week. It may work for a month. It may work for years, but then they turn away on it You know, there's something powerful about real desperation Because Hannah got to the place where she said, I'll give it back to you And I'm not going to just give it back just for a little while I'm not just going to give him back Listen, I think it's funny right here That Hannah was so, uh, she was so dead set on getting the promise That she she didn't say, God, if you'll give me a son I'll give you 10% of his life Y'all know where I'm going she didn't say, oh, "Oh, if you'll give me a son, God, I'll I'll, I'll get the ten percent of his best years and give him to you. I'll give him ten. I'll give you the first ten percent." She said, "No, God, I'll give you everything." You know, we get we get so. Caught, I'm gonna go ahead and go here this morning. We get so caught up on tith- is tithing for the New Testament church. There, there, there are people out there today that would say tithing is a thing of the Old Testament. But I'm so glad that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And then he he took it a step farther for those of you who are in question this morning. If you want to do a, be the New Testament church, then he's told the rich young ruler, go sell everything that you have and give it all to the poor and then you can be my disciple. And I need you to understand that every one of those who called themselves his disciple gave everything that they had into the, into the piggy bank and they all lived off of it. How much was it? It wasn't 60%. It wasn't 10%. It wasn't 80%. It was 100% of what they had. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of a couple people called Ananias and Sapphira and they decided that they were going to sell all their stuff and say I'm not going to give everything to God I'm going to just keep a little bit back for myself and, that, and Peter looked at and said I don't know why the enemies put it in your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost but they just dropped dead right like that we're talking about the New Testament right here uh, but I'm telling you I'm going to go ahead and get off of that for a second but I'm telling you this morning that Hannah did not say if you'll give me this God if you'll let me birth this out of out of my anguish if you'll let me birth out of my desperation I'll give you 10% of it back she didn't say I'll give them to you a little bit I'll give it to you when it feels good uh, you're saying I don't know and and I'm I'm not trying to get all word of faith on us this morning but you're saying I don't know why I haven't been healed I don't know why I haven't been blessed and I, I have it in my mind that sometimes brother Dave not all the time but sometimes God will look down at us and say because I know that if I bless you you won't give me the glory I know that if I heal you, you won't give me the glory. I, I believe that some people would be raised up out of a wheelchair just so they could walk in a bar. And God's saying, mm-mm, he's a jealous God. And if you're going to bear something out of your anguish, if you're going to give birth to something out of your anguish, you better be ready to make a vow. And when you say give it back, she didn't say give it back for 10%. She didn't say give it back for a little bit, but she said all the days of his life, he is yours, all the days of his life, all the days of his life. How many times have we come down? I'm as guilty as anybody in the house this morning, but I come down to an altar, I commit my life and my, my destiny and everything from here to eternity to God, and then I get up and I backslide and fall away from him. And then I turn away on my vow. And then I have to come back and do it again. I'm so thankful that his love is enough to bring me through. I'm so thankful that his grace is enough to see me through. But I'm telling you, God wants us to make a vow and keep it. If you want to birth that thing out of your desperation, then you need to birth it and understand that counting the cost means that you will have to give it completely back to God. Not sometimes. There are, I need you to understand this. There is never anything that comes from God that He does not want you to give back to Him. That just blew up somebody's mind. I promise you, God is never going to give you anything just to tickle your flesh. Nothing. Nothing. I don't care where you are, what you do, what your ministry is. God is not going to give... If he's, listen, if He's going to bless them preachers with them jets, they better be used for the kingdom. Because they ain't going to give them them jets if they ain't going to give it right back to God. You hear me? I'm not knocking them if they got a jet. But they better be giving it back to God. Because He didn't give it to them to tickle their flesh. He didn't give it he didn't give you that, that 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 nice car just so you can you know have a nice car. He gave it to you so you could give it back to God. And you know what? Sometimes we say thank you God for things he didn't give us because they are for our flesh. So just watch. Watch. Don't 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 be saying oh God gave me this when he said no 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 that thing's taking you away from me. I didn't give you that idol. That's all free. That's not in my notes. So what's it worth? What's it worth? What's it worth to us this morning? What's it worth? You know what? She counted the cost and she understood something else, Brother Dave. That if you you truly want to bear something, if you truly want to give birth to something, that you need to understand this, that many will come and they will mock you. Many will come and they will attack you. They will attack what God is doing in your life. They will say it's false. They will say you you don't deserve it. Not only Penin, she didn't just have to deal with her adversary Penina in this case, but then she goes into the prayer. She goes into the prayer room and she's praying. And and, and listen, the, the the priest of God ain't got enough discernment to figure out that she's praying her heart out before God. And he looks at her and he says, "Why are you drunk in the house of God?" Side note, I'm stepping aside because I need you to see something this morning. i got to go ahead and preach about this too. She looked at him and she said, listen, I'm not drunk. I haven't drinks wine nor strong drink. And then she goes on to say something. Look at the following verse. She said, don't think of me as a daughter of Belial. That's a sh- another word for Baal. Don't think of me as a daughter of Baal. Why am I stepping aside? Because I need you to understand that if you were drunk and you were drinking strong drink and wine, then you were assumed to be a daughter of Baal. I'm going to go ahead and get on an alcohol message this morning while I'm at it. Because I'm telling you, oh, Jesus turned the water into wine. Listen, anybody who drank pure wine or strong drink in the back of the day was considered barbaric. And she was looking right here. This is a woman of God that's looking at God and saying to God, don't think of me as a daughter of Baal. I'm not drunk. I'm not drinking strong drink. So that throws that right out. Of the, and now we're back on the message now. And he says, you have to endure. Because so Eli, uh, Eli looks at her and he says, oh, you're, you're drunk. And she said, no, in my anguish in my anguish i've been pr- praying and, and calling out to god for him to birth something in me and listen even the preacher put her down my god when god begins to birth something in you and when when you desire something so bad so greatly that it come it'll come at whatever cost you're willing to pay don't be surprised when the church folks start coming against you don't be surprised. The question is, is it, what is it worth? Is it worth being let down by everyone, even your church peers and maybe even the preacher? You know, I found something else funny. You know, the, the scripture says that they come to you uh, as wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, Brother Dave, we like to pick on preachers and say that that preacher's a wolf in sheep's clothing. But I got news for you. The preacher was never a picture of, a, of sheep. The preacher's the shepherd. So the sheep's clothing has to be worn by the sheep. So those wolves that come to devour you oftentimes aren't standing behind the pulpit. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Sometimes when God begins to birth something in you, that even even your peers, even the ones around you that you would expect to be for you, your family will be looking at you and saying you're 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 drunk, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. It's bad enough when your enemies accuse you, but now the church folks start talking on you. Is it worth like like Hannah did, is it worth putting away food and drink? My God, I don't have time this morning, but When's the last time we fasted? God Jesus looked at his disciples he said some of these don't come except by prayer and fasting. You wonder why you're battling so many devils, and he said some of these don't come out except by prayer and fasting. We're wondering why we can't make a stand in the world today, why we can't be better off, why we can't push the gospel further because we've we've forgotten about prayer and fasting and saying God, you're more important to me than that stake setting in front of me. You're important to me. I'm I'm telling you when you get when you get a desire in you for God to birth something, it's going to be more important than anything else, including food or drink. If it's truly worth it, then then the word of the Lord will come just as it did for Hannah. The word of the Lord will come. But don't think you're going to give God lip service. We're living in a day when God's people are going to have to live by their words. We've been a people that don't live by our words for long enough. The word of God says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So what happened is she got a word. Eli, after he figured out that she wasn't drunk and that he had misdiscerned everything, the power of God worked through Eli, and he said, Go thy way, go in peace, and and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that is made and asked today. And you know what happened when she got a word? She stood up, Brother Dave. She took her word and she said, let it be unto me what as you have said. And she washed her face, the Bible says. And she did eat and she no longer had a sad countenance. And she walked on. What What's so profound about this picture in the scripture is that she didn't get the promise fulfilled yet, Sister Mindy. She didn't have her baby yet. She wasn't even pregnant yet. Matter of fact, she didn't do what's required of people to do before they get pregnant. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking? There's a thing that you have to do in order for a man and a woman to get, for the woman to get pregnant. Do you, you got it? Will somebody please say Amen? All right, we're back. She hadn't done it, but yet she got a word, and she began to wash her face and say, I'm not going to have a sad countenance anymore. She went over and she's like, you know what? I'm going to have some food because the word of God came. Sometimes God is ready to send the birthing in you, but you don't have conception yet. You don't even have the, re- you don't even have the beginnings of what is God is trying to do in your life, but you've got a word. I, it, it may be a word from a preacher, it may be a word from a prophet, it may be a word from God Himself that He's spoken to you. But you've got a word, and you need to begin to stand on that word, and you need to clean off your face. You don't need to be talking anymore about what you don't have. Listen, she didn't get up and say, "Oh, thank God He's going to do it," but then walk around and go to her husband with a sad face again and say, "Oh God, I don't have a baby. I still don't have a baby." She didn't do that, Brother Dave. I'm convinced that we sit there and we get a word from God, and, and tab, and we go and we go into the next room. And and go talk to the next people, and then we say, "Woe is me! I still don't have my blessing." Uh, Brother Roger, if if God were to tell you that you were not going to have to use that thing anymore, but you still had to use it, and you walked out of this place, and you walked around the bin, and you were like, "Man, I can't wait till I have. Well, I get out of this thing. I hate using this thing. Oh, it's terrible! Uh, you're you're coming against the word that God just spoke to you. You're speaking a curse on the thing that God just blessed. She didn't do that. She stood up. She said, "I'm gonna stand on the word." When I've done everything. Everything else to stand. I'm just going to stand. Amen. I'm going to stand upon His Word. God is speaking something. And I'm telling you in the house today, God has spoken something over your life already. Many of you have received the Word, but you refused to stand on it. You didn't wash your face. You didn't eat anymore. You still talked against what God was trying to bless you in. And He's saying, out of your mouth is coming blessing and cursing. And it ought not be so. He's saying, there's power in your mouth. And your mouth is what's stopping up the blessing. Blessing from what needs to happen in your life out of your own mouth, you're keeping the promise from being fulfilled. Out of your own mouth, you're stopping yourself from bearing the thing that God is trying to get you to bear. The thing that you've you've poured out your heart for. What could be worse than kneeling down at an altar and pouring out my heart to God and saying, "God, I desire this more than anything, and I'm willing to give up everything, and I'm willing to give it back to you when you give it to me." And then get a word from God. That but he's going to give it to me and then walk out of that place and then begin to talk against what God just blessed. But we do it. We do it over and over. But she didn't do it. She got a word and she stood on it. And the Bible says in verse number 19 that she rose up early in the morning and she worshipped before the Lord. What happened before the promise? really came to fruition what happened before conception ever see it was after that they returned home to ramah and then elkanah knew hannah and then she conceived it was after that but what's the first line preceding that brother dave they rose up early in the morning and they worshipped they worshipped the lord when god gives you a word you just begin to praise him You just begin to worship Him. And you say, God, I'm going to worship you and you're going to bring it to pass. I don't need to know. Listen, and when God gives you a word, you don't need anybody else to confirm that word. When you know it's from God, you just stand upon it and you just declare in your heart that that it is your word and that it's not anybody's to take from you. Listen, and then after that, I'm moving on for the sake of time because I've taken too long this morning. But the Bible says that she conceived the promise. And I'm closing with this she conceived the promise, but there was more to her promise than she could have ever known. There was more to her promise than she could have ever known. Uh, there, when, when her desires lined up with God's desires, you know, I said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And this is a little play on the words, but I need you to understand this: if you delight yourself in the word, in the, in the, I'm sorry, in the Lord, if you delight yourself in the Lord, not he will give you the things that you want, He will tell you what things you want. Do you get it? He will give you the desires, not give you what you desire. If you delight yourself in God, He will give you desires. What does that mean? It means if I delight myself in God, all of a sudden what I want is what He wants. What I desire is what He's put in my heart to desire. Not what I think. You know, I, I see people all the time and they're like, if I just seek after God, he said that I can have what I want. And so I want this, you know, Lamborghini or Ferrari. And, and so if I just seek after God, then he's going to give me the desire of my heart. No, when you really chase after God and delight yourself in him, all of a sudden he changes your desire. You don't even want that anymore. And now you desire the things that he desires. And when you get desperate about what God desires in your life and your desires line up with his desire, something powerful happens. Bigger than you ever asked for. Hannah didn't, when Hannah was down there praying, she didn't say, God, hear my anguish cry. Give me a son that will be the priest of the nation, that will anoint the next king of Israel. Give me a son that's going to be the next president of the United States. She didn't say, she wasn't aiming high. She was just saying, Give me a son and I'm going to give him back to you. But God said, No, I've got better things than that for you. And He's telling you this morning, if you'll get desperate about what I want for you and you'll get desperate about my desires for you, then you're desperation will birth something that will change this world. I don't know if you've ever desired to birth something in this place this morning, but I'm telling you that if you will desire and seek after it with all of your heart, your desires will line up with God's desires and you will give birth to something bigger than you could ever imagine. You see, Samuel went on to be the mouthpiece of God. The word of God was rare in that time, the Bible says. There was no revelation being given out. And and then Eli, when he died, then all of a sudden Samuel came into the forefront. Samuel was the one who went to David's house and anointed the house of Jesse, and he anointed David to be the next king of Israel. He was the mouthpiece of God to a nation. Hannah had no idea she was about ready to give birth to the mouthpiece of God to a nation, Do you understand that sometimes when you birth it, when you decide what it's worth to you to really have God in your life, what is it really worth to have God and have the things of God? I'm convinced that God is not looking just for people. He's not looking just for some people who will pray. He's not looking for some people who will go to church on Sunday and then be okay with everything else through the week. He's looking for a desperate people. Uh, Leonard Raven, he say it like this. I'm convinced that God does not hear prayer. He hears death. prayer That's the only prayer that he can hear and the only prayer that he can answer because it's it's out of our desperation. The Word of God says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's not just any old prayer. It's a prayer of desperation. And if we will get so desperate for the things of God, then he will give us the desires of our heart and he will begin to give us the ministries and the birthing and the children that we ask for. But we've got to ask ourselves this morning and I'm closing with this. second close what is it worth to you what is it worth what is it worth that ministry that you've wanted your whole life what's it really worth that job that you've been desiring your whole life what's it really worth to have that job that specific financial blessing that you see you seem to need or want what's it worth to you that desire to be financially independent what's it worth Because God is saying, I'll give you financial blessing and I'll give you financial independence, but I require it all. I require it all. Your son or daughter coming back to the Lord that's backslidden, what's it worth? I can't tell you how many times I hear moms and dads saying, will you pray for my daughter, pray for my son? Will you push the food away and fast for him? Will you push the food away and say, God, I'm desperate. I need my son or my daughter coming back to you. And nothing is more important to me than that. The scoffers can scoff and the mockers can mock. And uh, my enemies can come against me and everybody can accuse me. But I'm telling you, my child is worth more to me. And knowing that they are saved is worth more to me than anything in this world. Is your talent that you desired worth going after God for is it worth it? Is it worth saying, God, if you'll just give me this talent, I'll give it back to you all the way. I'll never do it for myself, never do it for my own fame, but I'll give it to you. Is that spouse that you desire to have, that person that you're looking for, that you're waiting on God to send your way, that, you, that can be compatible with you, worth it? Is the healing that you want to take place in your body or your mind worth it? Worth whatever it takes. And I said this before and I'll say it again as I get ready to close and you stand to your feet. Mark my words. God will give you nothing to tickle your flesh. God will give you nothing that is just for your glory. He's jealous. He's a jealous God. Visiting the transgressions of a father to the third and the fourth generation. He's jealous for us. He won't give you something that will just help you out. He wants good things for you, but he wants it for his glory. I was praying for people as an evangelist. I used to pray for people, and I had God speak to me one time, and he said, why do you pray for people? Why do you pray for people that are sick? I said, well, you know, God, that's a no-brainer, because I want them to be healed. Yeah, but he said, why do you pray for people that are sick? Why do, you pray for, why do you pray for people that need a, a touch in their body? And I, I, was, I said, God, because I know you can heal them. I want them to be healed. He said, you're, he said, you're a humanitarian. I said, okay. He said, I don't want you to be a humanitarian. I want you to be a man of God. He said, when you pray for people, the first reason that you pray for people has to be that I get glory. My glory has to come before their healing. My glory has to come before their need being met. And when you pray for people, if you pray for for my glory to be lifted up, I'll do the rest of the work. Whatever it is that they need, I'll do the rest of the work. When's the last time we prayed for somebody, not for them to be healed? Yes, that's a byproduct. But we laid hands on them and said, God, that you would be glorified. They brought, the, they brought the child to the Jesus and he said was this because of the sins of the father or the sins of the mother and he said neither but that my father would be glorified he was painting a picture he said I, my father requires the glory so this morning as I close and I ask you this simple question what is it worth what is it worth awakening church of God we just birthed What's it worth? Are we going to give it back to God all the way? Every ministry, everything, every, every aspect of what we do as a church, are we giving it back to God or are we going to put a little bit of ourselves in there? God will utterly pull his hand away. As I had that 10-week revival, I prayed every night, God, teach me how to rock and cradle this thing that you've given me, but not touch it. How do I get close to the glory, but don't touch it? How do I get close to what you're telling me to do, but not touch it, not get myself involved? What's it worth? If God said, I'll give you a child, but he's going to be given away. You know, Hannah took that child after it was weaned. I didn't go this far in the story, but after the child was weaned, she took it to the house of God. And she left that child there with the priest. She said, God, you gave it to me, but I'm going to honor what I said to you, and I'm going to give it back to you. And she, took, she only got to see Samuel when she would go from year to year to give sacrifice. She only got to see her son once a year. That promise, that great thing that she counted higher than anything, she was only privileged to see him once a year. Would you be willing to give everything and count all the cost and endure whatever it was just so that what God gave you, he said, now give it back to me. Would you be willing, let me ask it like this Would you be willing to build a ministry up because it's what God has put in you? I'm, I'm going to put this right back on me. Would I be willing to build a ministry, work hard in this church, just for one day God to say, I want it back now? Everything you've labored for, everything you've put in, everything you've invested, all the naysayers, everybody who came against you, all the enemies. And God says, now I want it back. You said I could have it. Are we willing? What's it worth? What's it worth to know your kids are saved? What's it worth to know that you get to walk in blessing? Is it worth giving it all back? If God were to bless you with $100,000 tomorrow, would you be willing if God said to you, in, 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 and listen, lip service doesn't do anything, but if he said, here's, a, here's a th- $100,000, and then he tells you the next day, write out a check for $100,000 give it to the kingdom be tough with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place this morning